Hello everyone, my name is Devin Watley and welcome to another episode of the On The Record Podcast. In today's episode, after COVID-19 derailed the start of their 2020 season, football is back at San Diego State, 115 miles away. To speed up the building process of Aztec Stadium and SDSU Mission Valley, the Aztecs will be playing in Carson, California at Dignity Health Sports Park, the former home of the Los Angeles Chargers. To preview the season, I spoke with a few members of the Daily Aztec Sports section. Sports editor Kyle Betts, assistant sports editor Luis Lopez, and senior staff writer Amber Salas and Brevin Honda about what lies ahead for SDSU football this season, some breakout players on offense and defense, and season predictions. All right, everyone, welcome to episode nine of On the Record, a special After Dark edition. We got the SDSU football preview. With me today, we have sports editor Kyle Betts, assistant sports editor Luis Lopez, senior staff writer Amber Salas, and senior staff writer Brevin Honda. Welcome to the show, everyone. First off, I hope you all are doing good. Obviously, we had a lot of big news since the last time I had most of you on. SDSU decided to bring back football. Mount West decided to bring back football, so we're having an eight-game season. SDSU obviously not going to be playing in SDCCU Stadium either. They'll be playing in Carson, California at Dignity Health Sports Park, the former home of the Los Angeles Chargers. So I wanted to start by asking each one of you guys what your thoughts are on SDSU playing in Carson. Kyle, we'll start off with you first. Well, I will be driving to the game on Saturday to cover the season opener against UNLV. So not looking forward to the drive up there, as I'm sure as many other media members are. But, um, I, you know, I don't think the team is really either because they're obviously going up there playing without fans. They're going to have a stadium, which it seems like they love based off what they've been saying throughout this, these past couple weeks. And also, you know, it caters to um, what TV broadcasts uh, offer and, and what that presents. So. Um, for them, yeah, obviously the travel, that adds another element to it, but they're going to be staying in a hotel um, tomorrow night leading into Saturday's game. So in terms of the team, I think that they're not really opposed to it. Obviously, we've seen ASIC fans on Twitter show how they feel about it, and that's completely different. But without fans, I really don't think it's as big of a deal as it should be. Mm-hmm. Now, Luis, obviously you're, you're the assistant sports editor, so you're also, you also possibly may be up in Carson covering games too. Like, what are your thoughts on this move? Because obviously, as like, as someone who covers a team, you're used to like saying, hey, I got to just drive like 15 minutes to the stadium really easy breezy. But now now you're driving over an hour to there, possibly. What are your thoughts on this move? I understand it. Uh, You know, when they were going over the alternative options, uh, they really just weren't viable. Petco wasn't really a good option with Padres potentially playing in the postseason, then obviously going to the postseason. And then other than that, there really just wasn't any stadiums, like J.D. Wicker said, that could offer a true Division One experience. I mean, they could have gone to USD, UCSD, and they just wouldn't have been able to provide accommod- an uh, accommodating situation like they had in Carson. So it's a move that's, you know, filled with irony. Countless slogans are now uh, aged poorly, here to stay, one city, one team, for example. But uh, it- it's an understandable move. I know why they had to do it. It's just uh, very ironic that it happened to be where the Chargers happened to go. Yeah, it's very, very ironic. Amber, <laughs> Amber, what are your thoughts on this? Because obviously, I know you, you were, or you, you were SDSU cheerleader. I don't know whether or not SDSU, SDSU is going to have cheerleaders at games. Maybe you could answer that question too. But what are your thoughts on this move? 
Yeah, so for the first part, cheer will not be going up to Carson this year. Um, we don't know if maybe we could go in the future once everything kind of gets sorted out with what it's going to look like up there, because obviously this is a new environment for all of uh, SDSU athletics. But as for right now, there hasn't really been any communication about that. But in terms of the team playing up there, I think it really – just goes down to providing the best experience possible for Aztec football. And I agree, like, yeah, if there were, were to be fans, maybe it would be better to maybe even just play in that community college just to have some fans there. But now that fans aren't even going to be in the equation, I think the fairest option is to still give this team the most game day-like experience in a big stadium, a nice stadium, you know, they already are playing in such an unknown time, playing in a pandemic. So to at least give them a nice stadium, I think is a good option. Mm -hmm. Now, Brevin, uh, you like me, we go to football games often, but now they're not going to have any fans there due to state health regulations. How does that make you feel as a fan, knowing that you've been to games before like I have, but also like in terms of just like as someone who also keeps in tune with what the team is doing, how do you personally feel about that move? Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the tough things for any fan, any Aztec football fan. You know, for me, I know a lot of Aztec fans that are maybe twice my age, three times my age. And, you know, they're, they're going through the same thing. Like they want to be there. You know, they're, they're the fans that would go to those road games that would also go to Vegas for the basketball games and for the conference tournament. And I think that's going to be one of the tough things because it's something that we won't get to experience this fall, you know, to be able to see an Aztec team have another successful season, like what we've seen in the past. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think for me, what's going to be so interesting and what I kind of wrote about in my column about this too, is like this new venue kind of adds a different intimacy to what's ahead because obviously Dignity Health, it's a very small stadium, only 27,000 fans. Aztec Stadium is expected to have 35,000, so very similar seating capacity, but obviously it's going to be very different considering that, you know, Aztec Stadium is going to have fans and, and Dignity Health may not have fans for this upcoming season, but I, like I mentioned in my column, and I will, I'll post it in the link for, for listeners who are listening to this now, it's going to be interesting to see how the athletic department is going to try and make the stadium very, feel like an SDSU stadium, because obviously in L.A., LA Galaxy has all their stuff over there. They, you know, all the Charger stuff is gone. All the football-related things are gone. It's going to be interesting to see how SDSU kind of adds their own element to it, kind of makes it their own home place. So I definitely am going to be interested in seeing that. Now, um, Kyle, you mentioned before that you were going to be driving up there um, this Saturday for the game at 7 p.m. Now, obviously, it's going to be a, a very different different sort of feeling for you because you you've been to football games before you've covered football games before you know what the drive is like you know what the journey is like before and after what happens now you add a two-hour trip to that are you kind of worried about like just the the journey overall or are you or are you just glad to have football back at this point yeah for me personally you know I'm obviously very grateful to even have the opportunity to cover this game because I kind of entered this semester with the mentality that I'm not going to be able to have the opportunity to cover a college football game again. So, and I, I'm sure the guys obviously on the team, they feel the same way. They probably didn't think they were going to have a football season. Now here we are. So yeah, definitely blessed to be able to have the opportunity. And like I mentioned, not excited about the drive, but 
my my family is they they live on the way up there so i'm gonna i'm gonna stop by say hello and then um obviously it's going to be a late night with the 7 30 p.m game start so probably spend the night you know at my house before i drive back down to san diego too as well so having that having that is nice and um but in terms of the drive yeah that's always it's, it's going to be there for these next two seasons and we're gonna have to deal with it but we have football to cover and we have sports to talk about and i think that's what's important especially during a pandemic like this mm-hmm. now Luis, i kind of wanted to bring this up with you because as someone who has you know uh you've met you wrote this story about um the quarterback battle between carson baker and lucas johnson um and obviously you've met before with jeff Haklinski, the offensive coordinator for the football team. And I wanted to get your, like, your viewpoints on this because obviously there's so many moving pieces. Rocky Long's gone. Zach Arnett's gone. Jeff Horton is demoted to the running backs coach. Now we get some new blood in there and, and we'll see how the offense is going. But Luis, I kind of wanted to get your perspective on this. Like, do, do you feel like all these new coaches, these new pieces, is it going to be an adjustment period for this SDSU team? Because obviously – any sort if, if this happened in any other program there would be an adjustment but do you personally feel that it like this team is going to adjust quickly to this new staff I feel like they'll just click quickly this uh, coaching staff has mentioned that they're trying to do a lot of the same things they're not trying to get too different and if you talk to the players they have the same mentality um, they're basically saying that their coaches are running same schemes that they want to keep everything consistent so Obviously, anytime there's a new coaching staff, there is going to be a grace period, but I think the team should adjust pretty well. Mm-hmm. Now, Amber, you wrote this amazing story about Dwayne Johnson, who's one of the safeties for the, or one of the DBs for the SDSU football team. And he actually did something that was really, really marvelous, which was set up a GoFundMe for all these kids to help set them up with school supplies and, and, and technology um, so that they can be able to attend their school, um, attend their classes what was it like for you to be able to cover that story? Because obviously like these players, these student athletes, they're not just having to practice football. They're not just having to do classes, but to be able to set, do this thing on the side for other people for no other reason other than to say like, I want to help you out. What was that like for you as a reporter to experience that story? It was really special for sure. And I think, you know, like as a journalist, you're always trying to look for those cool stories like that. And I think, the most special ones are the ones when you get to cover something that these student athletes are so passionate about. And I think it's cool that just, you know, the community knows them as this football player, but really deep down there's someone who is super passionate passionate about something more than just football, which is awesome. But, um, you know, you could just tell from his Twitter, that's basically the content that's been flooding his Twitter this whole time is sharing his fundraisers, sharing resources for people he's always just been an advocate since the moment he started about started talking about it and you know kind of got frustrating at some times because i was really hoping to get to talk to dwayne johnson jr and a phone call or something to really hear about his passions but luckily he was on a press conference and just if anyone goes back and watches that press conference, you can just see him light up when he was asked to share about it. And I think that alone can just tell you how passionate he is about it. And, you know, now he's getting his own nonprofit going with it. So this is really something that he plans to keep going, which I think is awesome. Now, I wanted to kind of 
take the we're gonna go group by group with the offense first, then to defense, then to special teams. Um, so offensively, SSU has a lot of skilled players returning at this position. Probably one of the more deeper offensive units that they've had in a long time. Wide receiver Jesse Matthews is projected to be the number one receiver. Jesse Matthews, six feet, walk-on last year. Now he's the starter. What a, I mean, what an incredible storyline to go from that, from a walk-on. It's now starting a year later. And then they have just so many deep, a lot, a lot of deep positions with a lot of student-athletes um, from at wide receiver with Dato and Jesse Matthews, Kobe Smith, tight end Daniel Bellinger. Offensive line, you got a very strong unit with Kyle Spaulding. And obviously you lose Keith Ishmael to the, to the Washington football team. And that's going to be a huge, a huge thing to kind of see how they replace that because he was such a huge presence for them last season. And then now also the quarterback, you have Carson Baker, Lucas Johnson, Carson Baker projected to be the starter. And then running back, it's kind of a, in my opinion, it's kind of a little bit of a, of a pick em. you know, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like in fantasy when, you know, you, you have like three really good running backs and you don't really know who to start. So it's like, we have Chance Bell, Chase Jasmine, uh, Jordan Bird, a lot of really, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say great because they're not like Donnell Pumphrey great, but I'd say they're pretty solid running backs. Now, Brevin, you wrote a story about the new offense and what Jeff Hecklinski is going to try and implement this year. What can we kind of, what can fans expect to see? Because obviously last year we had this whole spread RPO or the spread offense stuff that kind of, you know, went completely kind of bungles and, and despite them going 10 and three, they had one of the worst offensive teams um, in college football last year. So what can we expect to see as fans at Dignity Health Sports Party? Will the Aztecs be lighting up the scoreboard? Yeah, so too with this offense, you know, it's obviously you mentioned Jeff Eklinski um, taking over. Jeff Eklinski was uh, part of head coach Brady Hoke's first staff here at San Diego State back in 2009 and 2010, both of those seasons. So he returns with uh, Brady Hoke at the helm again. And with this offense, you know, we're used to seeing just this run and gun with the usual, you know, the running backs with Rashad Penny and Don Pumphrey. Well, now they're going to switch to a little bit more run pass option type of play. So you have the option to run, but to also to pass as well. And what that does, it's going to, it might lose that step defensive for the defense. It might be the difference in you in that player getting a first down or that ball not being caught. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, and Amber, I wanted to bring up this story with you. You wrote another great story about how SDSU football made it to this opener. What were the circumstances like to, to just get them here? Because I think a lot of people don't understand. They had to go through not just making sure that the athletes were safe, but also preventing them from having, you know, preventing them from getting in contact with someone because obviously SDSU had an outbreak at the time, uh, a few months back, what was the journey like for the coaches and for the players, like getting back to football? Like, was it, was it a really tough challenge for them? Yeah, I think the best thing that can describe this season and everything that's happened so far is just a whirlwind of emotions because first the players go from hearing the news that the season isn't even going to happen in the fall and that maybe we can reconsider in the spring to then in, you know, September 24th, oh, now it's going to happen. We're kicking off in exactly a month. But even then, it was still, okay, we need to make sure we can stay in guidelines with the county, make sure, you know, we're still practicing safely. So I think just through everything, what's gotten them to this point of being able to kick off this weekend is just 
all of the safety protocols and guidelines that are in place. We've heard that, you know, they've been practicing in groups. They've been kind of told to stay in their pods of people that they live with or people that they do things with. Obviously, getting that deal with Quest Diagnostics for the rapid testing three times a week was a big factor in, because testing is what, at the end of the day, is allowing them to make sure that no one is asymptomatic and is spreading it somewhere. Just all those little things that add up. But yeah, it's definitely been crazy, but I think they're on the right track. And I think you're right. Like the biggest factor is that at the end of the day, they're college students that are here on campus where you maybe can't control the people that they might come in contact with at their grocery store or just walking on the sidewalk coming into practice. Like they're here on this college campus where unfortunately a lot of cases came up. But at the end of the day, I think Knock on wood, they hopefully have it under control with the guidelines they have, and hopefully everything will run smoothly. I, I hope so, honestly, because I know recently the, the state of California just announced new guidelines for uh, counties that are in the yellow or orange tier, if I'm correct, would be able to have a, a set number of fans in stands, socially distanced. So hopefully, if things do get better in Southern California, although it isn't getting better right now, it's still pretty bad, but if things do get better, Hopefully that there were there will be fans um, set out to catch set out to drive up to Carson to go catch SDSU football. Now, KB, I wanted to ask you this because obviously with football, they're having eight games this year. They they started off against UNLV. They have a an interesting kind of slate on the road with Utah State at on Halloween. They have also a home game again, or a road game at Fresno State and also Nevada. So there's an interesting kind of stretch there. Are there any vulnerabilities that you kind of see in the schedule? Like, is there a possible trap game where you could be like, well, this team might lose a game or will they go, or do you think they'll go undefeated? Like, what are your thoughts on the overall schedule that, that SDSU got? Because obviously, obviously eight games are way less than what the original projections were. So what were you, what are your thoughts on the 2020 schedule as it is right now? Yeah, you, you talk about that sample size and, and that being a factor with just eight games. And obviously the, the BYU one not counting towards the winning percentage total in the end. So with that being non-conference, that makes it a little bit more interesting. And then in terms of the schedule, you know, it's, it's tough because there's always that possibility of a COVID-19 outbreak. We've already seen Colorado State and New Mexico's game get completely canceled. They can't make that up. So mm-hmm. What if that happens to San Diego State? That obviously mixes things up with the schedule. They can miss a game or two even. So there's a lot to consider. But going off the schedule that they already have set in place right now, I think it is possible for them to go undefeated. I think they have the firepower and, you know, team to be able to do so. I think they can, you know, make a run for the conference title this season easily. In terms of teams that could give them a run for, you know, their money, though, I think there are a couple on the list to consider Um, Nevada always seems to be like one of those teams that kind of keeps it close and SDSU hasn't really had enough luck, you know, against them these past few seasons. So I think they're one of those teams who is looking to take that next step in in conference play. I think Utah state as well in terms of conference play, they'll already obviously big loss and their quarterback and Jordan love taking their first round, the NFL draft, but they still have a strong team and they're looking to make waves this year too. And in, in terms of, you know, the game, I think that they will most likely lose if they do lose a game is BYU because right now I believe BYU is 5-0. They're, they're, they've been lights out so far. Their quarterback, Zach Wilson, he's been playing out of his mind. And, I mean, 
when they play them this upcoming December, I, I think it could definitely be a different game as opposed to last, you know, November when the Asics won 13 to three. Definitely. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how these Mountain West teams come out because obviously they've had less time to practice compared to other teams, obviously considering state guidelines and stuff like that. So when you have these socially distanced practices, you're not doing like one-on-one tackling, shoving, pushing, you know, like running in between bodies. Like you're not doing any of that stuff. So I think like the really interesting key is going to be like how these players are going to come out and on the defensive end, offensive end, like with the tackling, like, is it, cause obviously you have SDSU, one of the best defenses in the country last year. And now their season got pushed back to now being October 24th. That's like a huge, a huge gap uh, in between practice time. So it's going to be interesting to see how Brady Hope, uh, then D-line coach, now back to the head coaching position is going to adjust to that. Now, Luis, I kind of wanted to bring up this issue with you. UNLV has been dealing with the COVID-19 outbreak amongst their team. And not only, not only UNLV, by the way, it's also uh, University of New Mexico. They've actually had a coach and a couple of players get involved with the COVID-19 outbreak. And actually, the cases in Albuquerque have actually been pretty bad to the point where they've had to cancel the UNLV Colorado State game or the, the UNM Colorado State game that Kyle mentioned before. So, like, are you worried about the possibility of games being canceled this year for SDSU, obviously considering that like campus, you have the, we have repopulation coming back. Students are starting to come back into their lab classes and stuff like that. Now, are you concerned about that possibility of an outbreak amongst the team or, or not really? Unfortunately, it is always going to be a concern. I would personally be surprised if we didn't see a game canceled this year with San Diego state, given the huge outbreak we've seen among SDSU student population and, like you mentioned, the UNLV and New Mexico outbreaks. I believe Wyoming was dealing with some issues too. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're still in a pandemic. Even the best of them are, you know, struggling with it. You know, we're seeing in the NFL, games are getting canceled. You know, stories are coming to, out today about, you know, the Raiders dealing with it. And that Sunday night game's getting pushed back now. So unfortunately, you know, it's something that everybody's dealing with. The Mountain West certainly isn't going to be immune to that, as we've seen so far with one game getting canceled. So, yeah, it is definitely going to be a big concern going forward, and I would expect the uh, Aztecs to see some effects from it. Yeah, definitely, and and it's it's for me, it's going to be really interesting to see how the uni- university protocol is going to be impacted by these outbreak cases. So far, it's been pretty clean. All the athletes have been coming out, doing well, staying safe. Uh, you know, as Jim Harbaugh says, uh, "Stay positive, test negative," as he always says. Um, <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting to see how the protocol is going to be affected by these, uh, by the possibility of an outbreak. Hopefully um, the coaches are always saying that this is the most secure place for the athletes to be. So it's going to be interesting to see if that continues as the season goes on. Now I wanted to move into uh, special teams because this is going to be really interesting. Um, Brady Hoke says that Matt Ariza, who was the, was the kicker last year is now going to be playing kicker and punter because Brandon Heiklund will not, or Brandon Heiklund graduated. So it's going to be interesting to see how that, how we will handle that because I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a situation where you've had a kicker play both positions. And obviously for me, I think it's kind of concerning. Like if he gets injured, like they, they might be screwed. Like I, I, I'm, that's just my personal opinion. That's just my personal opinion. But I mean, who knows? But um, Amber, like what are your thoughts on that? Like 
having Matt Ariza, the kicker, kind of play both positions, like, are you kind of concerned about that in, in a way? Or, or, or do you think he'll be fine? I mean, obviously, this guy's like a winner. He was, he was a dominant uh, player in high school at Rancho Bernardo. So do you think he'll be, he'll be good? Or, or do you think it's kind of a, a, a position of concern for the coaches? I think it can kind of go both ways because, like you just mentioned, he's a competitor and someone who's going to want to step up and almost thrive in this position. Maybe even like take on that mindset of, Oh, like this has rarely been done, but like, watch me go do it, you know? But I also think at the end of the day, it is concerning in the fact that what happens if something happens, you know, like if he were to get injured or if something were to happen. So I think it'll definitely be, definitely be interesting to see how that plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Brevin, I wanted to bring this up with you. When the TV schedules were released for SDSU football, SDSU only got one game on FS1, despite um, them finishing at the top of the West Division. I don't know what it is in Fox Sports. I don't know if they got any beef with SDSU or beef with Rocky Long. I don't know what it is. Or not Rocky Long, beef with Brady Hoke. I don't know what it is, but they only got one game on FS1. A majority of their games are going to be on CBS Sports Network. Um, and obviously – almost all of their games except for the Hawaii game are going to be at 7 at at, at 7 p.m. or 6 p.m. for majority of their home games for you as a fan is it kind of frustrating to have like these late games be on CBS Sports Network because obviously like they've had games CBS Sports Network like all of us know and maybe some listeners have known like their games are always delayed and, and and it happens all the time is it frustrating for you as a viewer as a fan in your opinion I think it is. I think when you have, you know, especially when you have the the timeouts and then you have a play and you have another timeout period. I think those are the ones that get to viewers the most because they want to watch the game. They don't want to see all these ads, even though it helps TV networks. Uh, you know, obviously you look at that Hawaii game, for example, that you mentioned being on Spectrum, uh, Spectrum Sports, you know, not everyone high spectrum sports, especially for that team who they're playing in Hawaii. And that was a team that we saw last year that um, competed for that uh, Western division title. Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be interesting to see how fans react to having games on CBS sports network again. Now I wanted to get into offensively. There's a lot of talent. I wanted to get, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on who will be the breakout player this year. Last year, we had Jesse Matthews come out of nowhere. Also, Kobe Smith, too. And Jordan Bird sometimes here and there. Or who do you all see being the breakout player? KB, we'll start with you first. I think it's going to be Daniel Bellinger, tight end. Um, at 6'6", I think 260 pounds. I mean, obviously a big target. And he's looking to take that next step this year, being a junior. We've seen a lot of good tight ends come you know, to SDSU through the years. David Wells, Kahale Waring, be some of them. So I think that, you know, Daniel Bellinger is probably poised to be one of the main passing targets because of his size and because of the way, you know, the Aztecs coaches have been talking about him. Brady Hoeksman saying, you know, he's making it take the next step, has a lot of potential. So I would say Bellinger. Mm-hmm. Now, Luis, what about you? Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go with Jordan Bird. I, I really liked what I saw out of him last year, going to the New Mexico Bowl and seeing kind of the breakout game that he had. I think he's really poised to kind of take that next step into becoming the main back. Now, the, like you said earlier, the running back situation is going to be a little interesting. I think it is going to be by committee when we start the season. But I feel like Jordan Bird has what it takes to kind of take the next step into superstardom with that position. Mm-hmm. Now, Amber, what are your thoughts? Like, who do you, who do you see breaking out? 
on offense? I think Daniel Bellinger as well. I think he just, like Kyle said, with his size and just kind of what we saw from him last year, three big touchdowns or, you know, 15 receptions, all all the crazy stuff that he did. I think he's going to have a good year. But I also think Jesse Matthews as well. I know the end of last season was kind of crazy for him. But I think, like, this year just to, like, be in that position to begin with, I'm interested to see what he's going to do. And, yeah, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw out a, a name that y'all did not mention, Kobe Smith. I really think that he has a good potential of breaking out. And, and, and hear me out on this. Like, he was a guy who had – maybe one of the really good games against UCLA kind of was on and off throughout most of the year. But I feel like with Jesse Matthews, he's going to get a lot of attention considering that he had a lot of late, a lot of phenomenal late game finishes toward the end of the year for SDSU. So he's going to be that guy that, and then obviously he's number one on the depth chart. So everybody's going to be targeting in on him. But I really feel like this year, Kobe Smith has a really good potential to break out. I always felt like he had like the, 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 athleticism he had all the the skills that you really need it was just about putting it all together and I personally feel like he might like that this is his year so I I he he would be my breakout player in in on offense in my opinion now Brevin who do you kind of see breaking out on offense I think too you know I think you know with the running backs it's kind of tough to tell who to pick you know I think I'm gonna have to go with the play caller and um and Carson Baker, I think, to go to transition to this new offense, you know, he won't be in this running gun type of format. You know, he's going to be able to have the option. And I think by having all those different options, you know, to, to throw the ball, to hand it off. And I think it's going to benefit him and it's going to benefit this team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you all made great choices. Um, now I want – let's move on to the defensive end. So SDSU – was one of the best defenses in the nation, probably one of the best defenses under the Rocky Long era last year. They don't lose a lot of people, actually. They do lose Kiavitzino, who, in my opinion, was an absolute game wrecker. I mean, he was phenomenal last year for San Diego State. And they have a lot of guys returning, Dwayne Johnson Jr., um, Darren Hall. Uh, I mean, they have just a lot of guys returning all over the field. I mean, Tariq Thompson, Trenton Thompson, um, so, I mean, the names are endless. I could just keep going off. I could keep reading off of the depth chart here. But um, it's going to be interesting to see. They are staying at a 3-3-5 defense. However, Zach Arnett is gone. Rocky Long is gone. Brady Hope will not be running defense. In fact, it is Kurt Maddox of New Mexico, of who used to be the – I believe he used to coach for at New Mexico State. I'm not 100% sure about that. But he ran a 3-3-5 uh, defense, or it was actually at Eastern Kentucky, excuse me, it was Eastern Kentucky, but he ran a three, three, five defense. And so, um, it'll be, it's going to be really interesting to see how there was like, I remember Kirk Kenny, I was reading his story the other day. He's, he's like, all these coaches have like these little nuances, you know, and, and they all run the same schemes, but they're these little nuances that kind of make things a little bit different for them. So for me, that's going to be interesting to kind of see how the defense looks Will, will they keep having that same Rocky Long kind of defense, that Rocky Long kind of style, that flair, that aggressiveness that really, uh, really hurt a lot of teams last year on offense, opposing teams? Um, now, Luis, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this. Do you feel like with Kurt Maddox there and with, with even though they'll have the same scheme, do you feel like the defense is going to continue being as dominant as they were last year? I think so. I think with as many guys returning as they have, uh, I would – 
expect to see that they are perhaps not as good as last year. I mean, last year, I think they surprised a lot of people being one of the best defenses in the country. And they were honestly right up there. When you look at the stats, they're right up there with some of the top teams, even power five conferences. So it could be a bit much to ask for exact repeat of that, but they're definitely not going to be slouches on the defensive side. Mm -hmm. Now, Kyle, who do you kind of see being a breakout player on defense? Because you, you've obviously been one of the guy, one of the people who have, you know, been covering this team in depth from like day one. So who is someone that the fans and um, listeners should, you know, uh, keep watch, watch out for on the defensive end on this Saturday for us to issue? I think it's going to be Cam Thomas this season. He's going to be playing defensive tackle, and I think he's going to kill it. Last season, obviously, impressed a lot of people with the way he played as a freshman. Now he's making that next step here as a sophomore this season. I mean, just an absolute home wrecker um, in the interior. And uh, I think he definitely has potential to, you know, make some waves this season, even make a name for himself and possibly consider himself for defensive player of the year in the conference. Yeah, certainly. I, I completely agree with you. Um, I think I remember Brady Hoke said something last year about his performance being like a really like something you don't typically see out of a lot of young football or young student athletes. And it's going to be interesting to see how you have him, you have Keyshawn Banks, um, a lot of really agile athletic players on the D line. It's going to be interesting to kind of see if they can continue to create pressure because obviously last year, the, the main catalyst for why SDC was so good on defense was because they were able to get to the quarterback and kind of create pressure when there typically wouldn't be pressure and really allow for these offenses to kind of make mistakes. They really um, were able to do that throughout most of the season, even though they did lose to Nevada 17-13 last year. Um, even in that loss, the fact that they held Nevada, who was one of the highest scoring teams in the league, to 17 points, um, it really just shows like how dominant this defense is and how dominant this defense is going to continue to be this upcoming season, hopefully. Now, I wanted to move on to record predictions. Eight games, like I mentioned previously, they started off at you or against UNLV this Saturday, and then they have the Mountain West Conference uh, championship at the end of the season. Um, obviously, eight games it could change any you know it could change drastically. I mean, we could have an outbreak and all the starters are gone, or a team could have an outbreak and the game's canceled. So obviously, that could change a lot of different things. But what are each of you each of y'all's record for SDSU this season? Um, KB, we'll start off with you. In terms of what's on the con what's on the schedule right now, yes. I think six and two. Okay. I think six and two is is reasonable, and I I think they also could go undefeated. But what I, like I mentioned before, I think one of those losses is going to go to a team like Nevada or Utah State, and I think the other one would go to BYU. Mm -hmm. uh, Luis, what are your thoughts on their record? What do you what do you think SSU will finish at this season? I agree with Kyle at six and two. I wouldn't be shocked to see him go undefeated, but like Kyle said, BYU has looked good so far and I would not put a conference loss past them. So six and two, uh, could see him get into the championship game. And then obviously everybody is bowl eligible this year. So that is also very much not out of the question. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, you mentioned that point about everyone being bowl eligible. Uh, it's kind of funny. Cause it's like a, it's like when Oprah is like, Oh, you get a car, you get a car. Everybody gets a car. Like, you know, everyone's getting everyone's getting bowl bids, and and I guess records are just thrown out the window now. Nowadays, I, I mean, I understand the circumstances, but it's like, you know, a team that goes like zero and eight should not be making the bowl this year. Like, I'm, that's just my personal opinion. If you go zero and eight, 
you shouldn't make a bowl. If you go one and one and seven, you know, two and six, whatever it is, you shouldn't go, you shouldn't make a bowl. And I hope the bowl committees are like that too, because I did not want to see SSU play like a one and seven, you know, um, Appalachian state or something like that. Like, I don't want to see that. Nobody wants to see that. So hopefully, um, hopefully the, hopefully the bowl committees understand what they're playing with, with this scenario. Amber, what are your thoughts on their record projections? Like, do you, do you see this team going undefeated? Like what, what's your thoughts? I think it's definitely a possibility, but I'm also going to have to go with everyone else and say that the realistic option is probably six and two just with, you know, how tough these competitions have been with Nevada, with Utah State, also BYU. They're ranked in top 15 in the AP poll right now and continue to just impress, which is kind of sad to say, <laughs> but it's true. But also, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in terms, what happens to these records when or if games start to get canceled. Like what happens if, you know, SDSU is six and two or a team has a good record, but then there's another team in the conference who hasn't even gotten to play, let's say, three games because of cancellations. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Hopefully, we don't even have to get to that point. But I think just when we start to see some traveling or going to areas where, you know, SGSU athletics can try their hardest to keep but keep their team in, tra in track with all of their guidelines and protocols, but then at the end of the day, you're getting on a plane or you're in that public space, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you brought up a great point. Like one thing I remember someone talking about one of these college football writers was this, how athletes are going to be traveling in a bus and a bus is a very tight and closed space. I mean, obviously it, it wouldn't matter if athletes test negative anyway, but it's like that possibility of COVID-19 spreading through a bus trip or in a hotel stay or, you know, through other matters, wh wh wherever these athletes go, it, it's a legitimate concern, but, um, I feel pretty confident knowing that the Mountain West said that they were going to pay for all of this testing, because obviously that's a lot of money that they're raking out just to make sure that these athletes play or that these athletes play. So it's going to be really interesting to see how, um, you know, whether we get like, if we possibly get a false positive, how is that going to change everything? Or, or how is, um, if someone tests positive, what's the protocol for that? Like what, how, how these tests are going to affect team seasons, because clearly we've seen with New Mexico, with UNLV, outbreaks can change everything. So it's going to be really interesting to see how, um, how that all works um, starting on Saturday. Um, Brevin, what are your thoughts on the record projections? So far, we've had, I think everyone said six and two so far. Um, but what are your thoughts on like the projections? Yeah, I'm going to have to go at seven and one. I feel like, and, and I feel like that one loss, it's probably going to be one of their road games, you know, either at Fresno State or at BYU, I think just because knowing Fresno State, what that game means between the two teams for the oil can and that rivalry. And then we bring up BYU and how good their team has been, I think, what, 6-0 and now or something like that, you know? And you know, I feel like going to BYU is going to have that mindset of what happened last year against the Aztecs. And I feel like either 7-1 or 6-2, and two, you know, those – I think, th but those two road games are going to really decide, you know, to what bowl game the Aztecs will play in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, in terms of my projections, I think it could range between five and three or, you know, seven and one. That's, that's like, I'm not going to give an exact number. Um, I'll say right now, realistically six and two, but it could easily go to five and three or, or seven and one. 
I feel like, you know, we, we've seen in the past, like SDSU gets off to these really good starts and then they just get in, in one of those like trap games, whether it's against Nevada or it's against Hawaii or, you know, even like looking back a few years back, like even South Alabama or these like, you know, these, these little trick games. And I just feel like for me, like, I think the, like, I think it's going to be exactly kind of like last year where like a lot of people are going to be thinking, well, how is this offense going to adjust? Because Rocky Long last year said he was going to go to the spread formation. Everybody's all, you know, all kumbaya about it and everything like that. Everybody's thinking, oh, they're going to start scoring 50 a game, all that stuff, you know, yada, yada. And then, and then it just, obviously with the first game, Weaver State, I mean, they won 6 nothing. So clearly <laughs> there were a lot, a lot of messes that had to be going, going through this year. But I feel like the defense is not going to cost him any games this year. I feel like if you get what I'm saying, I don't think they're going to be losing because of their defense. I feel like their defense is pretty solid, even with a new defensive coordinator. I feel like this year, what's, what might lose them some games is probably offense. Like against Nevada, you're dealing with a very high-scoring team. Um, they're definitely going to be putting up at least, like, I don't know, maybe 17 points like last year. So if the offense can put up at least, you know, I'm certain that this offense is not going to be putting up 11 points like they did last year against Hawaii. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident that hopefully, you know, Carson Baker, you know, is going to be baking some touchdowns in the end zone this year at Dignity Health. We'll see what happens. But I will say that their record, realistically, I will go at um, six and two. I will say that the only possible losses I could see them having is maybe against Utah State on the 31st for their second game, because obviously your first row game is going to be a challenge any with any football program doing with your first row game, first game back, um, which obviously this week would have been week eight if the regular season had played out. So obviously having all that time off, it's going to be interesting. The first row game might have some trouble there. Um, and then I could also see them losing against, I would say, possibly BYU. That would probably be at Utah State and BYU, the two Utah teams. Could see them losing there. Um, I will say that they finish at uh, um, six and two. I was about to say five and three, six and two. But they could easily go between five and three and seven and one. Who knows? But um, what's going to be interesting to see is, do you, do you all think that they will end up in the Mountain West Championship game? Because we've, we've dealt with this thing for quite a few years now where SDSU has all the talent. They have great coaching. They have all the pieces together, but it just seems like they're, they're, that they can't put it together. Like you just deal with a little skid in the midseason, and then it just kind of, it kind of either falls apart like it did two years ago where they lost at the Frisco, at the Frisco Bowl against Ohio, or um, it, it kind of, they kind of build it all back together like they did this past season. Rocky Long kind of mentioned it too, where they lost Nevada, but then they beat Fresno State, they beat BYU, and they, they blow out um, Central Michigan in the um, New Mexico Bowl. So. Do you all think that SDSU lands in the Mountain West championship game this year? Um, KB, we'll start off with you. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely possible. And um, I think that they're one of the top three teams to do it. I, I think that, I think definitely. And um, obviously this season, it's different. The top two teams with the highest winning percentage in conference play end up making the championship game. So let's say the Aztecs, you know, finish out six and two or, or um, six and one because BYU is on the conference, then in that case, yeah, the Aztecs would probably most likely make the championship game. So I, I think that it's definitely a goal of theirs. Obviously, win 22, they've been preaching that. And um, I, I think it's possible with the schedule that they've been giving. 
Mm-hmm. Who do you who do you see them playing in the Mountain West Championship game if they were to be there? Um, obviously, in the Mountain Division, we're kind of dealing with these really good teams in Boise State. You got Wyoming, who's really good with Sean Chambers. They have a lot of weapons down there, and then Colorado State. They have a really good wide receiver who's actually had some NFL projections too. So who who do you kind of see SDSU facing if they do make it to the Mountain West title game? I think it's going to come down to Boise State or Air Force. Air Force, they've been gradually improving, you know, throughout these past few seasons. They lost their starting quarterback. I mean, I think that was due to um, behavioral reasons or something like that you know, uh, during the summer. But I do think it's going to be one of those teams. Boise State, they've always been a force in the conference. They're going to continue to do so. They always bring in good recruits every year and kind of refill the void. So. Um, between Air Force and uh, Boise State, I think San Diego State is going to be within those two teams in the top three in the conference. Mm-hmm. Amber, what do you think? Like you said that they were going to go six and two. Where do you do you think they make it to the title game? And if so, who are they going to be facing? I think it's definitely realistic because, you know, kind of similar to what Kyle said, one of those losses will probably be BYU, which wouldn't be considered a conference loss. So, you know, that record then goes to six and one, putting them in a good chance to be in there. I think, like you said, they have all the pieces there. They have nine players returning on that strong defense that was top five in the nation last year. They have this new offensive scheme and just really in a good position. And I think it's going to be Boise State. They're always, like Kyle said, they're always a strong team, always bringing in good players, good coaching staff. They're always a strong force out in that division. So I think it would be a fun game to see SDSU versus Boise State. Mm-hmm. Um, Brevin, who do, you, who do you see? Do you see SDSU winning or making it to the championship game? And who do you see them playing against? I think I, you know, I, think, I always think about, whenever I think about this question and looking at the schedule, I think about this, the, the three-game part in their schedule when they have to play Hawaii and they have to play um, Nevada and Fresno State because of where they were last year in those standings. I think those are going to be the three key games that the Essex are going to have to, you know, manufacture and at least get two wins. And if they can get that, they hope the other, the other team loses it and the Essex are on top of that somehow. And if they are, I feel like it's, I feel like they're going to be playing between Air Force or Boise State. I think we saw Air Force last year in the Cheez-It Bowl defeat Washington State um, 31-21. And we know how good Boise's been in this conference. And I think for the Essex to be in the conference championship, I think, you know, that's one thing that Essex fans has always want the Essex to be. I think that because of the expectation that, uh, we set every single year as fans. Um, I think you hit it right on the dot. Like there's always every year, there's always three games, three key games are always mentioned. And it always seems to be like that Nevada, Hawaii, Fresno State, that three group, um, you know, it's been mentioned two years before. It's been mentioned last year. Now, again, it's being mentioned this year. I really, I also agree with you. And I think that that key game, that three, that three key game stretch is going to be very critical um, to whether or not SDSU wins the West Division this year. Um, Luis, who, who do, you, do you see SDSU making it to the Mountain West title game? And who do you see them possibly playing out of the Mountain Division if they do make it? Yeah, I'm going to go with everyone else and say Boise State if they do make it. I honestly do believe that they will make it. Uh, we've, 
we know what the defense is going to bring. It's full of studs all over the place that you got, you're putting 11 guys out on the field that are hoping to replicate what they did last year. I think they will be able to at least come close to that. If not replicate it, the offense will be a bit of a wild card. We're going to have to see what happens this weekend and the first few games to see what exactly we get out of them. But they are certainly, certainly looking to improve off of last year. Last year, I believe they were the worst offense in the conference. So you can only go up from there. So I do believe that they'll find themselves in the uh, Mountain West championship game and they'll be likely going against Boise State. Boise State has a track record of doing it. No reason to see why they wouldn't do it again this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. You always mentioned how they could always go up, but it's like, I mean, who knows? Honestly, I mean, who knows? We're, we, we could get them out here scoring 30 points one night, maybe six points another. So who knows? But I, I, I agree with all of you. And, and I really think that this year is, this year is the year for SDSU to, to make it because, you know, last year, Hawaii, they had head coach Nick Rolovich so much talent with Cole McDonald, that quarterback and, and uh, talented receivers down there. And now you have Todd Graham, who's a former head coach of ASU, taking over. And then Fresno State, their coach is gone. You know, you have a new coach there. Nevada, you still kind of have the same thing there with Jay Norvell. But, and I think that is really going to be the biggest challenge for SDSU is, is going to be Nevada because obviously Jay Norvell has been building a very good program down there in Reno. And, and they, for some reason, ever, ever since 2018, they've just been having the, S, the Aztecs number. I don't, I don't know what it is, but it seems like they beat them uh, year after year. And it's like – it's it's always that Nevada game that just kind of bites them. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I personally think that SSU is going to come out of this on top. Um, I have faith in Brady Hoke. Obviously, the, the fact that he's been there before, I think, is going to is add some comfort because obviously with any new head coach, there's going to be adjustments. There's going to be differences. There's going to be locker room changes. With him having some experience of being in the program, being surrounded by familiar people, stepping in the same office building all the time, he – I think is going to be able to guide them in the right direction, hopefully. And I do see them landing in the Mountain West Championship game. However, I do not see them playing against Boise State. I actually have them playing against Air Force because I really think Air Force is a solid team. And I really would like that matchup more, honestly. As much as people like SSU Boise State, it's, it's like it always seems like that's like the hyped-up matchup every year. It's like, oh, when are we going to get SSU Boise State in the title game? Like they, That's what everybody says year after year, but it just never seems to happen. So I would say – SSU versus Air Force in the Mountain West title game. I don't know who wins because clearly, I mean, projecting that deep into the season, I mean, I don't even know if the season's going to even finish. So let's just, you know, let's just enjoy the first game. Let's just, hopefully we even make it to Saturday. Let's, in, let's enjoy the first game first. You know, hopefully the ball kicks off at 7 p.m. in Carson. Um, you know, unless something tragic happens that the game has to be canceled, let's, let's pray. Let's pray it doesn't happen, but let's hope that the game will kick off in Carson and another SDSU football season will begin. Even without fans, it's still going to be SDSU football. Guys, I thank you all for coming. Obviously, a late-night podcast. It's a different type of energy, different type of vibe in the building tonight. But nonetheless, here we are, and, and football's back. Any last thoughts that y'all want to share that y'all want to go around, you know, just in, in regards to football coming back, covering football, uh, you know, sports coming back? Obviously, we just had – um not only football is coming back, but men's basketball starting up on the 24th. So that's obviously uh, November 24th. So that's a huge thing. They just started up 5v5 practices the other day. So KB, we'll start off with you. Any last thoughts? Yeah, really excited for another football season. Obviously, like I mentioned before, I didn't think that I would be in this position to cover SDSU football again. So very grateful for that. Um, just I hope everyone doesn't take football or sports or anything for granted ever again because I'm not. So. Luis, you got any closing comments? 
Yeah, I'm going to go off of what Kyle said. Uh, you know, let's not take sports for granted now that they are back. You know, hopefully we do get to finish out the season and see see this whole thing through. And again, like Kyle said, I mean, that never take sports for granted again. I mean, I was watching um, Giants-Eagles earlier. I don't know if I would have watched that in a regular season, but uh, <laughs> here I am. Uh, yeah, so again, happy sports are back. Happy we can cover it again. Hopefully we get to finish the season out. And, you know, who knows, maybe we're talking about the Aztecs at a bowl game in a couple months from now. Yeah, hopefully in Inglewood. Hopefully in Inglewood. I'm praying they play at SoFi because that's been a dream of mine to see them play. You know, hopefully, hopefully, I don't even care if it's on TV or not. You know, see them at SoFi in Los Angeles. You know, the big time, big time stadium. That's big. So we'll see. Brevin, any last closing thoughts, comments that you want to share? Yeah, I think too. You know, going back to the schedule. You know, when this first schedule came out, I think, you know, we talked about Boise State and Air Force, and I think that was kind of one of the one of the more positive things in favor of SDSU not having both of them on the schedule. And, but to going back to, you know, Kyle and Luis, you know, just embrace, you know, I brought this up to in our meeting when we were meeting back in like April and May, you know, just embrace what we've been doing to, you know, like Kyle said, to just cover these football games because we never, we enjoy it. And we sometimes forget, you know, once that point is going to be over and to just, embrace this journey that you know we're all on and what we've been a part of and you know to see what this football schedule is going to be like to see what the future is going to tell for the next six months is going to be a lot of hard work but I feel like it's something that you know if we enjoy the ride that we're on it's going to make it so much fun. Mm -hmm. Amber any last closing thoughts comments? I'm really excited. I think there's going to be a lot of cool stuff we're going to see this season. I think they're going to be a really strong team. I'm excited to see what Carson Baker does. He had those last two games were phenomenal. And I think Aztec fans got that first little glimpse. But now we get to hopefully see him starting this whole season, which will be super awesome. But and then again, kind of what everyone else is saying, we're just lucky to be here. I know for me, being a cheerleader that was always on the sidelines. I ended that last game against BYU thinking I would be back in Qualcomm Stadium to cheer for my senior year. And now I don't even know if I'll get to cheer at a game ever again, which I've done the past eight years of my life, which is crazy. So I can only imagine how those players felt when they've dedicated their whole life to this and thought for a second of, oh, maybe this might not happen. So I can only imagine how they're, how grateful they're feeling to go back out there. And I think we all can just embrace it, watch every game and just, you know, you never know what might happen. So really live every day like it's meaningful. Yeah. And, and with my closing thoughts, I would just say like, treasure every moment that you have to cover a game because you never know when this is going to like, none of us thought this pandemic was like, gonna go freaking crazy i'm just just i would just say you know for the listeners i would just say be blessed that sports is back be blessed that mountain west football is back be blessed that san diego state gets to play another year of football because look we're not we don't, nobody knows what the heck to expect from these aztecs i mean i, I sure as heck don't you know they could you know they could be you know eight and oh seven one six and two and they can go oh and seven you know who knows but even if they do go winless i mean i'm just blessed to see football back on the field you know um i would just say like treasure every moment that you have to watch or watch a football cover an event um and i would just say like i know i would give a shout even though obviously i'm in the da i would just say shout out to the da man because we've been 
pumping out some amazing stuff. I mean, the football issue that we had this past week, um, the stuff that we've been doing during, you know, this whole pandemic and now obviously sports is back. So now we're right back in our, in the saddle, we're right back in our, in, in our, in our hot corner and we're, you know, we're going to be right back at it guns blazing. So hopefully, you know, if, if for the listeners, don't forget, you know, wear a mask, enjoy your sports. Um, don't forget to vote. The election's coming up in two weeks away, super huge. And then, um, enjoy SDSU football. I mean, we have no idea what we're, you know, these are just projections. Again, this ain't, you know, we're not realists. All right. Like, you know, we we ain't going to know what, what to expect. So I would just say good, good luck to all the coaches and players and student athletes. Hopefully, hopefully they all get out there safe and there's no cases and there's no outbreaks. And hopefully we get to, hopefully the Mount West gets to crown a champion this year. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about is crowning a champion. Even if it's not San Diego State, it's all about crowning a champion. And hopefully SSU gets to a bowl game. So that was all that I have for the show today. Listen, or tonight, actually tonight, it's like 10.53 tonight. Listeners, if you want to follow each of these guests on the show today, um, Kyle, his, Kyle Betts, his Twitter is at Kyle B. Betts on Twitter. Feel free to follow him. He, has a, he had a phenomenal Qualcomm Stadium package. If you have not seen it, I encourage you all to see it. It's amazing. If you want to follow Amber Salas, check her out at Amber Salas S um, on Twitter. And she, had, she did an amazing story on Dwayne Johnson Jr. that if you have not read it, um, it's very emotional, very heartfelt, very moving. I encourage you all to read it because it's amazing to see what these student athletes do off the field more than they and, and, and see what they contribute you know, on the field as well as off the field. If you want to follow Luis Lopez, check him out on Twitter at Luis Lopez DA on Twitter. Hopefully I got that right. I'm like, I'm all like, you know, eh. but yeah, I got that right, hopefully. And then Brevin Honda, check out his work on Daily Aztec website. If you want to follow me, don't forget to follow me at Devin Watley. Um, and that's all we have for tonight's episode. Guys, thanks for being on tonight. Obviously with late night, dealing with a bunch of stuff, busy week. Thanks for being on. Um, and be glad that football's back. Thanks, guys. That was my interview with Daily Aztec sports editor Kyle Betts, assistant sports editor Luis Lopez, and senior staff writers Amber Salas and Brevin Honda. If you want to catch all of their content, visit the Daily Aztec website at www.thedailyaztec.com. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to stay tuned for another episode of On the Record coming soon.